0: hello and welcome to the gary payton episode of the hoop theory podcast my name is logan Ortman. Uh, And that is episode 20, by the way, if you didn't pick that up. Uh, I thought about maybe doing Ray Allen or Manu Ginobili, but opted instead to go with the glove. And today, as usual, I'm joined by our friend, Jacob Roth. Jacob, how's it going?
1: It is going good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty well. Thank you very much. And so, obviously, we just had Christmas. Uh, There's some pretty great Christmas Day games. Uh, Both of our teams, Celtics and the Nuggets, both had games that day. Both turned out pretty well for the two of us. Uh, but yeah, I'll just turn it over to Jacob. What do we have to talk about today?
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, as we kind of touched on and alluded to, we're going to try and every week uh, touch on kind of how the Neltics, the Celtics and the Nuggets are going um, before we jump into what we're going to call the meat or the, 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 the big boy topic of t- the episode. And today that's going to be a look at uh, some of the teams in the NBA that aren't necessarily at the very bottom of the standings, teams that came into the season with some playoff aspirations, but uh, who who should be thinking at least about blowing it up a little bit, or even if you are competing, um, moving some pieces around and trying to make some big things to quote-unquote blow it up. Similar to what the Rockets did, I think that was two years ago, how halfway through the year they're just like, we're done, and then just kind of exploded everything. When they, when they uh, traded off Harden. Um, it just kind of all snowballed after that one, but, uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of just of it. And then as always, we'll wrap things up at the end of today with, uh, the test of Logan's just random basketball knowledge and that'll be fun. So,
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Okay. We will just jump into, we'll start with the Nuggets staff of things. So, uh, Nuggets had the, the premier game. I feel like it wasn't going into the night. Probably thought it was going to not going to be the, the game that nobody wanted to miss, but it turned into that pretty quickly as all the other Christmas day games, I don't want to say fell flat, but weren't necessarily lived up to the hype as none of them ended up uh, super close outside of that Nuggets-Suns game. So we'll just start with the Nuggets nook or the Nuggets corner, whatever you want to call it. Um, I guess I feel like the best way to open it is uh, with just the dunk as it will go down. I don't know what else to call it, but Aaron Gordon just put Shamit in his place. I don't even – it was crazy. Uh, Mm -hmm. How did you feel about that when you saw it live?
0: Well – I'm trying to remember exactly what point it was. I know it was late in overtime, um, and it was to go up by maybe? one. Up by I one. I think it was to
1: go up by one.
0: Okay. And if yeah, I'm so, not mistaken, yeah, it was. So to, uh,
1: no, they were they were on the hold. Let me see if the shot goes in. I've got the clip pulled up here. So okay. no, they were they were already up by a point, and there was 25 seconds, 24 seconds left when it went in, and that put them up by three. As opposed Mm. to just up by one. Oh, yes.
0: Yes. Okay. And I think it was just after like some pretty chaotic scrambling around the floor. Like the ball kept getting knocked loose uh, by both teams and people going to the floor and stuff. And then it started going back Phoenix's way for a little bit. And then Gordon got a steal. And so then it was a fast break, basically a two-on-one, although there was a a fourth or a second Suns guy that was coming up uh, next to Gordon. But it was basically Gordon and Jokic with uh, Shamit in between them. And, I mean, Jokic was wide open right next to the hoop. I kind of was expecting Gordon to pass it off or dump it off to, to Jokic there. But then he just took off, like, an entire step earlier than I would think somebody would, like, going up for a dunk. And, yeah, Shamit was, like, clearly outside of the restricted area. So it was pretty far away from the hoop. But... He just went up and completely baptized Landry Schammett. Um And initially, like the whole crowd and everybody was just going wild. And in my mind, I kind of thought really quick, like, wait, that could have been like Shamet right there was trying to take a charge. Are they going to call that? And, you know, surely enough, they that was what the call was. Um, Aaron Gordon didn't even realize that, I don't think, for quite a while until after he, like, stood up and everything. And um, so then it was like they, you know, went straight to the replay. And even, even from the initial viewing of it, I was like, I, I feel like Shamit was still moving a little bit. Um, but we didn't have any challenges left. We were, you know, we had to use our coach's challenge. So I thought we were just, you know, that was just going to be a, a lost play for us. Um, but then for some reason, there must have been, like, disagreement amongst the officials, because I don't know what else would you know, warrant a just official review of something like that. But yeah, they went and took a look at it again and overturned the original call and gave uh, the Nuggets the basket. So it ended up being the most pivotal point in a game that had what felt like a lot of pivotal points being so back and forth. Um so yeah, just having that be the cherry on top of of like Gordon's night who had a great game. I think he, like 8 or 9 dunks total on the night. Um all of them like be- each one was like better than the next or better than the last, sorry. So, yeah, it, that's kind of what was going through my mind.
1: No, for sure, and that's the that win pushed them into first place in the Western Conference as they're a half a game up on the Pelicans, so that is uh mm-hmm. it was good for them and I'm not sure what their uh, upcoming week looks like. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. What they've got coming up next. Uh, actually, I just pulled it up. So on the first, I didn't know that this because I thought about trying to see if we could go. Uh, Nuggets are or Celtics are playing in Denver on New Year's, um, but it just didn't work uh, on my side. And I never really pushed it too hard. We've got a doubleheader against the Kings, and then on the 30th, you'll play the Heat. So not exactly an easy week, but not a. Mm-mm. Last week was pretty brutal for you guys as you had the slalom of uh, the Grizzlies, Trailblazers, and then Suns wrapped things off and uh, got three wins. So 3-0 on the week and that was big.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And uh, Jokic has been kind of, you know, he won Player of the Week last week when we talked. um, And, you know, he just kind of extended that level of play into this week as we're on a four-game winning streak now. Portland was a really good game. Uh, Jamal played well. That was probably the best game he's had in a while. But yeah, Aaron Gordon, like we've been talking about, I think honestly, I'd like to just take a little moment to uh, be an Aaron Gordon apologist because of how much slander that he gets <laughs> from a lot of people in basketball. Like I heard on the Ringer NBA show where Big Waz was talking about the Denver Nuggets and he said that he doesn't trust the uh, basketball IQ of one of the Nuggets starters. Um, And he said that being Aaron Gordon. And I don't know. I feel like just watching the Nuggets every game, that's one of Gordon's most uh, important traits that he possesses is just his chemistry with Jokic on the offensive end of the floor. Um, It's not just him running blindly and, you know, stumbling upon passes from Jokic. Like he's cutting into the right spaces at the right time, uh, filling in the gaps to get like offensive rebounds and putbacks and uh making really good passes back and forth with Jokic and just you know knowing how to utilize the gravity and the the spacing that this weird player of Jokic provides um he, i feel like he's he's been able to learn that game more than any teammate that Jokic has had so far um and so yeah i think that's a really big big point to to just kind of highlight with Aaron Gordon in this season he's been by far the best the second best nugget um this season and yeah that's just i think it's a big turnaround from where you know certain people in nba media uh think that that gordon is kind of ranked at um on this team
1: yeah well and i think i've even said before that the nuggets will not be able to get like late season win big playoff series things like that um until Gordon is their third best player. Mm. But then he, I feel, that was last year. I feel like this year, and like you said, without a shadow of a doubt when we weren't recording, that Gordon has been the second best player for the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And it's not a debate who's first either, if anybody was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Jokic, but uh, that Gordon has been far and out a consistent best second player for the Nuggets yep. this season. So I'm just curious to see as when they do get into those, because um, we're right around the corner from halfway through the season here as most teams have played, just over 30 games. Um, so we're getting close to where a lot of these things aren't flukes, they're trends. I feel like we've gotten far enough into the year that that's the case for a lot of these things. And uh, it'll be curious to see what uh, how Gordon, if somebody else on that Nuggets team steps up, or if Gordon himself steps, steps up and allows himself to be that quality second option to let the Nuggets make a, a deeper run into the playoffs. And um, I'm just excited if we get a seven-game Phoenix uh, Nuggets series, you might not like it all that much, but <laughs> I would en- I would enjoy it because even though that they didn't have Booker, I feel like the way that Nuggets offense was going, they would have matched whatever points they needed to match. Um, mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you could also argue that uh, Landry Schammett, uh does not normally have thirty one if Booker's yes. playing, so uh, <laughs> yeah, things were pretty balanced there. So that was a great one, uh, kind of a pivot uh, in between the two, as both teams have an MVP um, candidate. So the Jokic MVP case, and I guess it's weird because in a, in a perfect vacuum world, Jokic is the front runner for MVP, but we've said it, I don't even know how many times we've said it on past podcasts, but voter fatigue is a real thing, and it's hard mm-hmm. to get past, and um, if Jokic wins back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, that's not, or yeah, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, right? Or is that yes. too many back? Three that in is, a row. If he, yep. If he wins three in a row... Uh-huh. that puts him in a category and that's the other thing is people get weird about like I remember with Giannis. Oh, do we give Giannis a second? That that puts him in this elite historic category and we don't know if he's ready for that yet. It's just a weird thing that basketball media does that I don't get. Mm-hmm. Like that's never a thing in other sports and maybe it's because it's harder in other sports to be, not that it's difficult to be at the top level of basketball, but like it feels like there's less turnover on the top of the league in basketball than in other sports.
0: Mm. Um and I,
1: know, I and I think maybe it's just because there's less guys to have to sort through. Uh, there's only yeah. five on or five on the court or ten on the court total at a time. But mm-hmm. uh, well, so I've I've got a rough idea in my brain what Jokic would have to do if I had a vote for him to get my vote over a Giannis or a, or a Tatum or an Embiid as Embiid's been playing really well since he's kind of gotten healthy and has the Sixers on an eight game win streak. Last I checked, um, mm-hmm. what do you think Jokic would have to do? To quote unquote beat the voter fatigue to get that third MVP because my personal and this is from uh not necessarily just a sports guy not a basketball only guy if he does what he did on Christmas night once a week I think that's plenty and that <laughs> yeah. I know I know that sounds crazy but like that's what he's done was the past month he's had at least one game every week where he's been I guess on a different level is the best way to put it where he's just kind yeah. of been he's like ascended
0: mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah I. That he's had better games than that this season, even. Yeah, so I guess for me, what I would say he would have to do to overcome that voter fatigue, you know, when I hear this posed a lot of times by people, they're always talking about what he has to do in terms of counting stats. Like, you know, they they talk about oh, we have to see uh, th- over thirty points per game, um, and x about an amount of rebounds and certain number of assists and you know that kind of thing, and then. Obviously, the other thing being where the Nuggets are going to be in the standings, and to me, I, I just don't think a Jokic case is ever really going to be about the counting stats um, necessarily. I mean, that like it it factors in to the uh, decision or like the case for him for sure, but like last season, you know, his counting stats were amazing, being like 27, 14 and and eight, I believe. But you know, I don't. If you if you're comparing that to the numbers that Giannis or Embiid were putting up, you know they had more impressive scoring numbers. Similar in the rebounds, not quite as much, but um, like you know you, there, there was an argument to be made there if you're just comparing counting stats. Um, but like with Jokic, for me, I don't think we're ever going to see a th- over 30 points per game season from him um, because that's just not really his nature. And like for me, it's more about watching the games. Um, seeing the the level of control that he holds over each and every game that he's in like that, that kind of stuff is the more, I, I don't know if you'd call that the eye test or not, but like is the more uh, important part of his case to me. And so obviously that needs to translate in some way to wins, um, which so far this season, it definitely has. And so as long as I think we're, you know, the first seed in the conference and uh, Jokic is, having the, the ridiculous amount of efficiency that he's having is is the big thing in terms of stats because, man, he's just on another level in terms of not missing shots. Like, he's shooting 70% from two-point range this year. He's leading in the mid-range area as well in the NBA. He's shooting 61% on mid-range jumpers, um, which is just, like not even real like how how is, how, can, how can you do that um and then you know he's basically eliminated the three-point shot from his his game this season other than when he's left completely open and there's like a few seconds left on the shot clock he'll throw those up and the only t- other times being if he's made a few of those and he's feeling good then he'll he'll start taking them but yeah other than that he just he's taking it to the it like you know posting up And, and at the free throw line extended area, that's where he's doing all of his work. And, you know, he's being, I think his true shooting percentage is like 73%, something along those lines. Yeah. So every efficiency stat that you look at from him, the numbers would suggest that he's only averaging like 10 points per game. And he's like a, a rim running lob threat big. And those are his only touches on offense, but he's the complete opposite end of the spectrum from that kind of player, but he still has that level of efficiency. It's just something that we've never seen before. So I think that's really the, this, the crux of his case this season. And if the nuggets continue like they have been basically, and these other teams with uh, Giannis and Luca continue the the way that they have, um, I honestly think it's Jokic's award uh, once again, um, in my opinion, obviously, it remains to be seen what how just how hard that voter fatigue will will be to overcome but in my book i think that's that's going to be his case uh, at the end of the day
1: no i think you're 100% right and i i couldn't find the graphic again cuz of course you're scrolling throughout the week and you see something and then you check the stats obviously i i saw it and it's like jokic's it's the efficiency is what's like and you touched on it is what's like unfathomably high. Mm-hmm. Like historically, it's like, oh yeah, guy I'll have a oh yeah, he was really efficient from with this type of shot with these two-point shots with these mid-range anything Jokic takes is just drizzled with efficiency. Like he doesn't the way his brain is working, and it's weird because the way that you used to beat Jokic was make him not be the scoring guy. Like, oh go make him mm-hmm. score. Like that's what yeah. the Celtics did for the past three or four seasons where they're like, okay, the Celtics have had the Nuggets number because they just make Jokic go score. When he doesn't want to and it takes him until the second half usually to be like, okay, I'll just go score. But that's yeah. what I think is different about different about this year is if a team – it doesn't take him a whole half to figure out, okay, I just need to go score. If it's there, he takes it. If it's an efficient shot, he takes it. It's like his brain went full robot and is like analyzing what the most efficient like thing to do is and mm-hmm. set, 60% of the time it's dishing it off to a teammate. But if there's ever a t- chance where he's given the opportunity – he doesn't shy away from it at all, which I think is the – next step that Jokic took, and when a two-time MVP takes another step, that's a little bit terrifying. Like Giannis's next step would have been picking up a mid-range shot to a three-point, like picking up any form of a jumper actually uh, would have been Giannis's next step, but he didn't do that. Jokic took the next step of, I don't want to call it a killer instinct, but like he has that like, oh, I'm not scared to take the, scared's probably the wrong one. But you know what I'm trying to say, that he just, mm-hmm. he's willing to take over games, and I think that's been a big part of what make has made his, uh, game this year so like dang okay that's terrifying
0: yeah yeah i would say he's become willing when he feels like the game is calling for it or like when that's what his team needs you know
1: willing willing is a great word to put it he's more willing to try to score instead of just being like oh i suppose if i have to
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly because i mean still this season when when his teammates are on and when they're rolling he's like he's not even looking at the basket looking to score like when he gets the ball he's like this is what i want to do i just want to you know hold the ball make the defender get confused by looking him off you know to to a different spot on the court think he's going to pass somewhere and get get one of his guys to cut or flash open for for a three and hit them um but when we're losing and other guys just their shots not falling he's he goes into this mode where he uh, he'll catch the ball. He'll take a quick spin and just you know he's looking for the rim, looking to score. And I I like seeing Jokic be that aggressive for sure.
1: Yeah, um, and I think the other thing, the voter fatigue is the only thing that worries me is the the group that it puts him with are names that a lot of people have on their Mount Rushmore: Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. These are guys that have won three MVP awards, and it just puts him
0: in a different has Magic.
1: Yeah, I believe Magic has three MVPs. I will. Double oh, three.
0: Check. Th- he has three total. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Three
1: total, and then I believe I think um,
0: Jordan, Kareem. You already said Kareem.
1: Yeah. Maybe. I yeah. just was trying
0: to go through, but no, it's. LeBron uh, has three. And four. then.
1: The consecutiveness is the, is the thing where you're like, okay, that's yeah. that's another level of like. And it and it makes sense, but it just also like, okay, that's a, a big thing and that seems to be the biggest deterrent because on and it's not on paper, but if you watch basketball, Jokic is the MVP right now. Like it's not because like if you let's look at I'd say the top three are is Giannis, Luca, and Tatum are the three like in the tier below Jokic right now. If you voted mm-hmm. this week is how I'd vote. I don't I'd probably put I'd probably give Tatum the nod because of what how he's played against other MVP candidates, um, like I believe uh, I saw this. It was um, – I'll just pull it. Okay, oh, yeah. so uh, on Twitter, J- uh, Jason Tatum against other MVP candidates and the people they put were Jaw, Jokic, Luka, KD. I don't really agree with the KD one, but he's on the list. They ha- The Celtics mm-hmm. haven't lost to him. And the lowest point total was when they struggled against the Suns and they still beat the, the Suns. But Tatum, uh, his only bad game was he had 25-5-12. and, and 12. Was his that was his bad game, quote unquote, scoring? But then you've got thirty-five, twelve, and four against Embiid, thirty-nine, three, and two against Morant. Um, different type of player, but that's why I'd probably put Jason at two, Jay, Jason Tatum at two right now. Um, but I think it's like Jokic's award to lose if you're being irrational. Look at this year alone, vote like it. It has to be Jokic as of right now. He's this past like I think the you could have had a debate for any of those four guys three weeks ago, two weeks ago, but the past two weeks Jokic have had have been like, okay, if that didn't give him the the, start, the first spot, I don't know what would necessarily.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even if people who listened to the last episode, if you guys are wondering, like, how did this change so fast in a week? Because last week when we were talking about MVP, we, it was between Giannis and Tatum, basically. And I, I really think that was just me deciding, or maybe both of us deciding, like, Let's pick somebody else besides the guy who, if he wins, it will be three straight. We Um, had the voter fatigue. Like, on
1: accident, we did, and now we're just like, (laughs) okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's, at this point, for me at least, just looking at the field, is like, there's a big group of people that are, there's a lot of candidates for second place. Like, I think Jokic is just a, a, a level, maybe it's not that big of a level, but I think there's a clear level above the rest of the pack.
1: There's a Jokic at one, and then there's Giannis 1A, or 2A, uh, uh, ja, Luka Tatum, Luka, Tatum. Like, there's a lot of guys that are in that second tier, but that first tier is uh, a solo solo Jokic. And um, I think his first year was the only year that he really had a guy directly that it was close. Because like, the first year when it was like, you didn't know who it was going to be. Was it going to be Embiid, or was it going to be Jokic? Mm. But then last year, it was like, it's going to be Jokic. He's going to get back-to-back. Just because it made sense, like you said, there was um, on paper people had bigger numbers, but it was the impact on the game was Jokic hands down last year. Yeah, and that might be enough because he's made that impact even greater this year. Where yeah,
0: that's the thing. T- he's making it hard because he's gotten better each season. Yeah, is what it feels like.
1: And it's and it's and that I mean that um, the first year he won was the first year you saw a lot of those perennial names that were always in the race drop off, and that that's not taking anything away from Jokic's first one. But, like, that's the first year you saw LeBron take that big step back. Uh, Harden took that step back. Giannis had kind of, he had, like, that weird year. Like, it wasn't anything that Jokic but that was the first year you saw a lot of names drop off, so it was almost an entirely new slate of guys in the running, and he's uh, he just keeps getting better every year. And you can't say the same about Giannis, for example, where I think he got to that peak after they won the title, and he's kind of just hovered there. He hasn't gotten worse at all but he hasn't improved any parts of his game to give him that next step up because it just – if Giannis has the ball within, um, what, 7 foot of the rim? Oh, you, I'll even say 10 foot of the rim. A 10-foot ring around the – it's going in. He just does weird stuff, and it goes in. But uh, Jokic has been crazy this year. I, and I don't really have anything else to – like, jump into the Celtics half. I don't really have anything else to add because the Celtics have played well. They got the big win over the Bucks. Um But – kind of wrapping up because we were kind of segwaying in between the two uh, corners, but mm-hmm. I don't really, This the like, Celtic, I mean, they've played well, um, finally have gotten more comfortable with Robert Williams in the rotation, which seemed weird to me that they needed to, but it was a new, it's a slightly different defense than they've ran in years past. Um, not mm-hmm. yet, like last year specifically. It's a little bit different. It's the same idea of where you're pretty much just running like a NBA level one, three, one with, Robert Williams being your baseline guy, but he gets help on the corners and just his help defense. It's it's an interesting thing in uh, thinking basketball. That's the YouTube channel. Uh, they have great breakdowns. Like if you're like a basketball nerd on like the X's and O's and like they have video diagrams which helps too, and they mm-hmm. like explaining what's going on. But um, that's all I really have. Anything else you wanted to add it to Nuggets corner or Jokic's MVP case or anything that you saw if you've been able to catch a Celtics game or two?
0: Um, I don't think so. Not much other than. I guess Jokic had in that in the Memphis game also 13 13 and 13 another funny triple double. He's uh at 82 or 83 now on his career most yep. by any center in NBA history. But Yeah, and also tagging it on to what you said about the Celtics there. Uh that they, they have a slightly different defensive scheme. You know, that's kind of come to be expected when you have gone through essentially two coaches, you know, cuz you lost your head assistant and then you lost your head coach. And so now yep. the guy that was third is now your new head coach. So there's a lot of turnover yep. on the bench.
1: Yeah. And but yeah. Big set.
0: But now to get to the meat
1: of the episode. Um, and it's going to we're talking about the uh, one seed in the East and the West where we were. Uh, now jumping to potentially the flip side of uh, both of the conferences. What are some teams that are poised to potentially – kind of cut their losses and blow it up. Um, and we didn't talk about any teams. Logan said that he would kind of run away with one. I did want to ask one team, and we can do that now or later. It doesn't bug me either way. There's one team that I want to bring up that is a little bit interesting because they're they're a playoff team right now. But the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks, where are they at on your blow it up uh, spectrum, I guess, is the way to put it. Or, or you can jump into it, but just touch on the Hawks at some point because – I know you did a little bit more uh, in depth looking at teams that should be blowing it up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they were. They've definitely been one of those teams that I've been thinking about recently, um, in this lane, and they're. I would say they're pretty close to the top. Like I don't think they're in the same group of of teams like the Bulls and the Lakers uh, that I'll get to in a second. But Hawks are right there too, and I think the reason why they're not quite there is is kind of the reason you just said like they're a good team. You know, they're still winning games. So it's probably not as big of a issue with like, you know, oh, it's not as urgent, you know, like we need to trade stuff now. But yeah, with the Hawks, though, like the situation with Trey, uh, we kind of got into this a little bit last week with uh, the Trey drama going on there. And, you know, that that move that they made in the off season to get DeJounte Murray, you know, that's kind of could have been like a safety valve, whether intentional or not gives them a little bit more room or it, gets, it makes Trey Young a little bit more expendable and try to try to fill in the gaps and, and build around DeJounte Murray with a, a like a new LeCox team, basically. Um, John Collins has been on the trade block for like three years now. So, you know, every season we, we're hearing his name come around with a trade deadline. So, you know, maybe we see a move for... Um, because I, I don't think theirs their situation would be a blow it up trade necessarily, but it would be more of a rebuilding, retooling on the fly, because I don't think they'll be I don't think they'll get bad by trading away pieces. I think it'll just kind of be more of a reconfiguration around the pieces that it, that they do have, and Bogdanovich being another guy that will probably, depending on wh- who they do trade out of like Trey Young and John Collins, uh, you know he might be a guy that gets moved also, but. Yeah, so the other teams that I thought about too, though, were like the Bulls, for example. They've had a lot of guys <laughs> in and out of the rumor mill. Uh, it seems like almost every player on the Bulls has come up with like their own little week of news of like, oh, is this guy going to be traded? Is this guy, you know, uh, where's he going to go? At first it was Demar, um, and then it was like Demar and Vooch. And now, this past week, it's been Zach Levine all of a sudden is now being thrown around in all these trade rumors. And, yeah, I just think something's going to happen with the Bulls because they're not... Like, even if they've they've been winning a few games recently, I feel like, I don't know exactly where they're sitting in the standings right now, but, like, there's just... They're clearly not as good as all those other contending teams in the East, and they don't have room to grow up there as well because they don't have uh, many picks after the Vucevic deal. They don't have very many young assets after that deal as well. Patrick Williams being really the only young asset that they've had and he's struggled with injuries and also hasn't shown a lot of promise in his time on the court so far. He's more of a theoretical uh, asset at this point. And, yeah, and I, I think the thing that makes this hard is... You know, if you asked the Bulls today, like, would you take Wendell Carter for Vucevic straight up right now? I I think they say yes in a heartbeat. And, yeah, so just looking at that deal is just, it's pretty disheartening for Bulls fans, seeing that you gave up Wendell Carter Jr., I believe two picks, two first-round picks, um, one of them becoming Franz Wagner. And maybe there was a couple other things on top of that, but, you know, that was definitely the core of that deal. And, um, yeah, it's definitely worked out in the Magic's favor for sure, looking forward. But yeah, Vucevic, I just think at this point, he's not going to be a number one option on your team. And what he takes away from you on the defensive end is just really hard to make up for, especially being at that center position. So I don't know of a lot of teams that would really want him a whole lot. I mean, there's probably a handful that could use a Vucevic. People keep throwing out the Lakers for Vucevic and DeRozan deal. And I. I don't see I might just go into a little rant here <laughs> but that trade for Vucevic and DeRozan to to head over to LA people have been talking that trade up so much and I just hear people continuing to talk down that trade that I've been talking about for a while now which I don't know if I've talked with Jacob about this or if Jacob has any idea what I'm talking about right now but I made a couple videos earlier this season about it um About that uh, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald trade to to the Lakers in exchange for Russell Westbrook and their two picks, like I like I understand the argument from the standpoint of do you want to give up the only two draft picks that you do have for that right now, like just to maximize this window with LeBron and AD, understand that argument, but I don't I just don't understand the amount of people that I respect. Their va- basketball opinions, like people that I, I listen to all the time, how how much they've been s- talking and dismissing this as a as a completely leveling up sort of trade, and, and they're instead proposing the DeRozan and Vucevic deal. To me, like that's not even a question on which deal I, if I was the Lakers, which one I would take. One if of them. If they're the
1: Lakers, I think is the important side. But I don't think the Pacers yeah. do that deal with what they've been doing and how they've been playing. I don't think they make that deal. I think that they would do a blow it up for like not a blow it up, but they they would move that type of a package to get like a trade. I don't think they do that for a Russell Westbrook.
0: Yeah, I because, mean, I don't even know if Russell Westbrook would stay there, but it's just the more of the yeah. the asset, the draft capital part of the deal. You're just getting. You're, you're getting them. two
1: picks. Two firsts, right? It'd be two firsts,
0: and they're the Lakers' first in a few years down the yeah. line, which is very, very likely to be very good picks.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, because LeBron's already pretty much vocally said whoever gets Barani uh, is who will get a year of him, mm-hmm. uh, which it might be a very decrepit, bad version of him, but you will still have LeBron James on your team if you draft Barani, which is, is it this year or next year?
0: Yeah, this next draft is, is this next draft. Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, so that's, uh, sorry to catch, but that's just one thing that I thought of. Because 100%, if you're the Lakers, there's not a world, especially knowing that you're going to need something that is not 50 years old in three years. Like, you will have nothing except for what you can scrounge up in free agency. You'll have no level of youth injected into the roster. So if you can get guys that are a little, and Miles Turner and Buddy Hield aren't young, but they're not as old as DeRozan and Vucevic. Uh, Yeah, not at all.
0: And they're not even not like in the style of players that they are fit around. exactly what this team needs, and yeah. not like you know, Vucevic has been like he's a lot. He's not near as good of a three point shooter as most people think that he is. Like he's an all right three point shooter for the position that he plays, but he's not like a lights out shooter. Um, he's
1: not like a, a Mason Plumlee or anything
0: crazy. Yeah, like he's not even a Miles Turner. <laughs> Miles Miles Turner is. Uh, Like uh, going the other way from the Mason Plumlee. Mason Plumlee being being a complete yeah. Okay.
1: I was being sarcastic. Sorry. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Mason Plumlee being a complete non-shooter, but Miles Turner being one of the best three-point shooting big men in the NBA right now. Yeah. Um. Like, and the thing is, he's doing that at the same time as being one of the better rim protectors at the center position in the league, and he's not a he's not a shiv defending on the perimeter either. So it's like. Like, but the downsides of Miles Turner is he's just he doesn't do much outside of that. He's like out for being like a second option on a team. He's not ideal by any means. That's what he's been for the Pacers this year, even though they've been an all right team. But like that's not what you're wanting to get when you're getting Miles Turner. What I see when I when I look at Miles Turner in the context of a Lakers deal is the absolute perfect center to pair with Anthony Davis. You know, because Anthony Davis is for years now has been like so against playing center and always wants to have another center on the floor with him. Um, this year he's finally doing it just because they don't have any other centers on the roster that are worth playing. Um, other than I guess Thomas Bryant is good off the bench so far, but yeah, he, I think he's just kind of been able to be like, all right, yeah, obviously there's nobody we can start and play a lot of minutes with me. Like, so yeah, I'll play the center position and it's been serving him very well. And so I've heard people say, oh, you don't want to trade for a Vooch or a Miles Turner because that will make Anthony Davis not play center anymore. And that's where he's been excelling. You know, he's been having a bounce back year. But when you really think about it, like Anthony Davis's role offensively doesn't have to change at all. If you add in a Miles Turner, Miles Turner's basically a stretch four on offense, yep. standing at the top of the key. And then defensively, just park Miles Turner in the Like you literally have what the bol- the the Bucks rather what they have with Giannis and Brooke Lopez, Anthony Davis being the Giannis and Miles Turner being the Brooke Lopez, just play Miles Turner and drop as one of the better rim protectors in the league. Anthony Davis can just do whatever he wants, like he just can... go
1: be a defensive guy, just yeah. go
0: do stuff <laughs> exactly. And you would have a very scary defensive front court. So yeah, the just the shooting and rim protection that Miles Turner provides is a huge plus. And then Buddy Hield, one of the best shooters on the planet. <laughs> like I don't understand how this trade doesn't make the the Lakers like so much better overnight. Other people seem to be like, "Oh yeah, that's uh it's an improvement, but it's only marginal. You know, it's that's not worth making that deal instead of but like like which I understand the argument of, you know, you don't want to give up the your future picks. That's fine, but once I've started hearing these people say like they've abandoned that that argument for the Derozan and Vucevic deal. Like all of a sudden that deal is like, oh yeah, that's totally worth it. It's like, wait, what? That, like that is a not not as good of a return for this season. Like Derozan being the best player out of those four for sure. Yeah, not going to say he's not. But just in terms of fit on your team, on, like what you want around your core guys of LeBron and AD. Like Derozan, yeah, it's like, do, do you want another ISO scorer? Like yeah. It just, I, Yeah. Exactly.
1: This is kind of backtracking a little bit. uh, But for these teams that are like looking to blow it up, I guess it's hard to go without going all the way back. I was thinking the Hawks. Uh, With the Hawks, like, I've looked into this a little bit because this is one that intrigues me. Would like Trey Young to the Pelicans, where you would like, you've got draft assets for years. What would you all have to send out? I just, what are some things that you could see? a Trey Young package or a, a package that if let's say the bulls do blow it up, what are some like real packages, excluding that Lakers one? What are some other places mm. you could see things going or what are other routes? They could blow it up if they do do the, go down the Levine route and try to get something, uh, in return for him. Cause he seems like he's the one that's not happy on that half from what the rumors sound like, as opposed to the team just knowing this isn't going to work.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the Levine thing is interesting. Think about where he could go. Uh, I've heard Toronto as a good destination. Um, and I think that would be good for both sides. Like him him kind of filling in that Fred Van Vliet role. Um, so I think what would be coming back in that deal would be Fred Van Vliet, maybe some draft capital, and then like another role player on the side. And yeah, I think that that would probably be good for both teams, mainly for the bu- the Bulls just to get some more draft assets and get off some of those, those big contracts that they're locked into. And Levine really helps this, this Toronto team with their current aspirations, because he fits exactly like the, the thing that they're kind of missing with the isolation score and, and do it all, you know, offensive option.
1: No, he would pair really well with Siakam because Siakam is, that's a guy that also had that terror. Like he had the championship year, but he's like, Oh, spicy P. And then he like dropped off over COVID and then there was like rumors that he really struggled with the bubble. Like he, he struggled to figure out how to focus and how to play in the bubble. And, that's, and then they had to play in Tampa. And that was another mm-hmm. thing that got talked about that he really struggled with not being at home, quote-unquote. And uh, with how he's looked this year, it seems like all of those might not be rumors. and might be some pretty cement fact on he just struggled when he didn't have a home base to go to. Because he, I believe, it was the East player of the week when I looked at him. I think it was Luca and him were the two uh, players of the week for this past week. So, oh, really?
0: This, this past week? I hmm.
1: think so, unless I'm a week off. Um, oh, I you won't. might
0: be right. You might be right. Uh, I can't remember.
1: Is it week 10? Yeah, no, this, this was posted yesterday. Uh, past, yeah, 38, 10, and 7 is what uh, Siakam averaged, and Luca was the West at 31.5, 9, and 8.
0: Wow, I must have missed a I must have missed a huge Siakam performance. You said he averaged 48? 38. 38. Oh, 38. Okay. I was about to say did he drop like 60 or something like that in one game? But um no, yeah, like Siakam's been awesome this year. He ha- he was out for a little while and then when he came back for a short stretch, he he was looking a little down, but other than that, like before the injury and then very recently He's been looking like, yeah, like an All-NBA type player. He had a
1: 50-burger again. against the Knicks. 52 points against okay. the Knicks. Wow. Um, yeah. Which will boost. But even then, uh, he had solid performances all week, but the 52 points against the Knicks was the big the big one for to boost that number up. But, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Other deals, though, that just looking at these teams that are blowing it up, like looking at real deals that could happen – I've heard a lot of buzz about the Trey Young and Gobert pairing. Not like for each other, but like Trey Young to Minnesota. And that would one's interesting. Ship out d then? Yeah, it would definitely have to be d and So it's either d and like lots of things. Or Ant <laughs> and less. Yeah. Which a- I a- hate. I, if it's Ant, I honestly think the Hawks need Pay to more. send. Yeah, maybe a, a tiny bit more. If not, then maybe... It could be a straight-up swap, honestly. It depends. The reason...
1: Oh, salary. There's no world that works.
0: Oh, yeah. No, you're you're right. I just... In terms of value. No, for sure. Uh,
1: For sure. Because, yeah, Anthony Edwards is, like, still two years from getting paid, isn't he? This year and the next season, then he gets paid? Or does he get paid next year?
0: This is his... Second year. No, this is third. This is three.
1: This is three.
0: So, he... Yeah, I mean, he's still... You're right, though. He'd be... Like he'll probably get paid this summer, but the it contract won't, won't start. Yeah, yeah, until his fifth season. Let me look at what his deal is right now. It's probably only like ten. Oh wow, that's a lot more than I thought. But that's I guess inflation since he was drafted so recently. Yeah, and and he was the number one pick. They get paid quite a bit. So it, what he's making this year is ten point seven.
1: Oh wow, that's actually so like a lot almost.
0: Yeah, and next year is thirteen five. And then there's a qualifying offer for the season after that. Um, we won't get in the details of how that works, but uh, that one will be seventeen six. So yeah, he's getting paid a decent amount, like a lot more than you would think a rookie scale contract is worth. Yeah. Um, so there's probably a couple things you would need. To, maybe D'Lo also, like Ant and D'Lo for Trey and draft picks, um, something like that. But, yeah, I like the idea of pairing Trey Young and Gobert together. Not maybe as much as, like... Like, that's been making the rounds a lot. Like, a lot of people are really obsessed with that deal uh, just because of how perfect, like, that seems, that idea seems of, like... Their you play know, styles. Yeah, these two guys are super strong in certain areas and then have horrible, horrible glaring weaknesses. And both of them are, like, the opposites of each other in that way. They They cover up and complement... Each other in such a way that's like, oh, this guy's great at the stuff you're not, and this guy's like super bad at the stuff that you're great at. So that one's interesting. But yeah, the logistics of how that would work, yeah, it would definitely need to be ironed out. And then the Lakers, obviously, I like they can't really blow it up. That's that's the hard thing about the Lakers thing is because they don't have the choice of blowing up because they don't have any of their own picks until. So- 2027 and that yeah so they're blowing it up
1: would be a retool to be like okay yeah fix the problems and hopefully we can limp our way to a something decent
0: yeah exactly so I thought maybe about like does Patrick Beverly still have some value around the league um like he hasn't played great from them this year honestly for him with the Timberwolves I know this is this isn't a Timberwolves thing but I think what the Wolves lost from last year to this year, and you know, the reason why they've been so disappointing, I think Patrick Beverly has a much larger part to play in that than people tend to think. Just from like not necessarily the on court stuff that Patrick Beverly brought, but That's like de- the off court leadership. I
1: think the only thing he provided yes. yeah, Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I think the only thing he provided was off court leadership, but I also think his on court is why they lost. Because of how he carries himself like Everybody remembers the meme where they were like they they made their way into they they won a play in game they didn't get out of the play in they won a singular play in game and they're
0: jumping on tables like spinning their jerseys and Patrick Beverly was the one leading that whole charge I think it was that game was when they won the play, they got into the playoffs but yeah was that when they got into the playoffs Okay I think they only needed to win one game because they were the seven eight matchup with the Clippers Okay Okay
1: but it was just like and then they got I mean, they had to go into, was it Golden State? Or did they have to play the Suns?
0: They played, They no, they played Memphis and almost won that series. They should have won that series, That's, what it, that's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. Is the 7-2 matchup. But they, sh- they honestly were looking that's, like no. they were going to win that series.
1: No, and that's because I've got a buddy uh, that's a T-Wolves fan. I said, I think that if you had a Patrick Beverly that was more of an Al Horford in terms of they still provide all that leadership – uh off the court but on the court was just not such an obnoxious person and like and obnoxious is the wrong word but like it just I just feel like he was detrimental to them at times but every team that's young needs some sort of a Udonis Haslam or an Al Horford or a Patrick Beverly or uh going back in time What's another young team that had an um I'm blanking on teams that were young that had that core that just had that old head that like i'm blinking too there's like a, i mean you could argue example. to a certain extent that like the Cavs had lebron to be that when they had like the kevin love was like oh how do i play when i'm skinny and Tyree was still kind of crazy as he still is but, like you could argue that's what the nets don't have because katie still acts like a child Kyrie still acts like a child they don't
0: have that steadying like calm down it's fine hmm. the pacers um, have it right now with james uh, james johnson yep um Every young team that
1: has a Sabonis for the Kings, just kidding, kind of kidding, but um, the Kings are, that's going to be some week, just breaking down how the Kings are lighting the beam and what psycho thing they've changed to just all of a sudden be like scary, like going in, going, yeah, it's just scary to go have to face up against the Kings because you don't know which Kings is going to show up, Uh, but they play with almost everybody, which is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway, that kind of got us off on a whole little tangent. Uh, we touched on the Lakers a little bit, uh, Oh, back to Patrick Beverly's trade value.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think even his on court stuff, like what he brings is more valuable to the, uh, the wolves, you could argue, but yeah, like the, just the off court value that he was bringing to this wolves team last year. Like I heard it all through last year about, Oh, this guy is going to be or this guy is, like, the only one on the team to really dig into guys, and, like, he's just such a great teammate, like, talking everybody up, um, making sure everybody's, like, you know, doing what they need to do and just encouraging, like, everybody on the team all the time. Uh, He's just so invested. And people were talking about how this Wolves team has really needed that and how important that's been. Like, I just remember that being a theme that was very constant throughout last season, and then when this deal happened – Nobody made any noise about like, oh, what about giving up Patrick Beverly? Like, is anybody worried about what that could do to this young team that, you know, he was so important to last year? Like, and especially how they went out in the playoffs last year with Carl Anthony Towns, like how his performance was just very lackluster and like, not like he doesn't have seem to have a lot of mental toughness and like, you know, do we not see any problems there? And like, that's kind of what I was thinking the whole time. I don't think I ever said it out loud, so I'm not going to take credit for like, oh, I saw this coming. But like, I just, I remember thinking like, huh, that that's kind of interesting. Like, I pr- it probably won't happen, but wouldn't that be funny if, if the Wolves just are a disaster next year? And it's like, oh, it's because they lost Patrick Beverly. <laughs> and I don't know if that is the reason, <laughs> but that might be what's, what's happening this season. And so honestly, the Wolves have a couple guys that the Lakers could definitely use. And so putting Patrick Beverly in a trade machine, sending him to to uh, uh, Minnesota, you could probably get back a uh, like a Torian Prince or something like that. And like, I don't, it's a small trade, like on the fringes type of move, but that's a type of move that I feel like could help both teams. What do you think of that one?
1: No, and I don't think that either of these teams are bad basketball teams at all. So those fringe trades... Would be potential huge difference makers. Because, like, when you're close, one piece is what can set you over the edge. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it's not always through a trade, but, like, for the Heat, figuring out, like, oh, wow, Tyler Hero is a pretty good basketball player, was that little thing. They were a good basketball team, set them over the edge last year. um, Like, you just see things like that every year. It's like, oh, that one little thing went well for that team. And now they're in, like, champ. Chris that's a big trade, but Chris Paul going to the Suns flipped that team on their head. It oh, yeah. was huge for them. And that was just one thing changing. Granted, Chris Paul's a huge player, but on the court, it wasn't what Chris Paul was doing. It was everything else that made huge uh, ripples go through that locker room to make that trade uh, just big. And that makes me laugh though, that just the the way the, the potential that the only thing the T-Wolves do this entire year. Um, after blowing not blowing things up, but making a lot of big changes this off season, is like, man, we need Patrick Beverly back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, I thought he was going to be a little bit overrated. Like he, I thought for a while now that he's a little bit overrated in terms of what he does on the court. But I am starting to see this past year basically that like what he does off the court is really valuable. No, in the right scenario. Huge.
1: It's huge yeah. for teams, uh, and I think that's a, a perfect way to put it. Um, any other teams that you think are on the fringe of, okay, do we blow it up? I've got another one that I could throw in your direction. Um, Let me hear just, it. The Warriors. At what point do they say, Draymond, you're old. Let's get a first-round pick. Yeah. But then the thing is, like, but okay, let's say they get Draymond. They send him to... New Orleans. That makes that New Orleans team, they've got assets to flip. That's a very scary, he fits in. He's a greedy guy for him. He kind of fits in. Another uh, one that I just, in terms of like the personality, quote unquote, of the team, sending Draymond to Memphis, that won't go well because of things this season. Um, But, or just in general, Draymond and Memphis don't get along. But like, how Draymond plays would work for that Grizzlies team. It'd be huge for him. Yeah. and they're also a team that, like, Stephen Adams is their, like, Mr. Miyagi guy in their locker room. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's just a lot of teams that I think could – and I keep saying Draymond. You could argue Clay's another guy um, because they have their picks. They're not in the worst interest to, like, oh, we won't have Warriors Steph. Do. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Warriors do. They. It's like they're not in the worst interest to like, okay, we don't know when Steph's coming back. We struggled egregiously on the road. Even when Steph was here, uh, they're three and sixteen on the road.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm good thing they're thirteen and two at home, but like, all I've just I don't fath- I can't fathom how you're that bad on the road.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely weird. And it's it's insane. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't quite see. Like, I can see it's more believable for a team that has like such a natural uh, home court advantage that you always hear about, like with Denver and Salt Lake, no Denver, th- those mountain time ones are yeah. huge.
1: Like even when they, they sucked, they still had good win percentages at home
0: at home. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. It definitely gives them a, an extra boost. Um, but yeah, for San Francisco, I can't, I don't, I guess I don't know <laughs> what it's like to play in San Francisco, but I don't think it's anything crazy. Um, It's just, yeah, it's just weird. I don't know what it is exactly, but I'm sure that is just probably, it's got to be a little bit of a fluke. Um, You know, it's not a crazy big sample, but it's definitely now with with Steph out, like they're going to be losing home and away quite a bit, uh, would be my prediction. But yeah, the Warriors though, you brought them up. That was probably going to be, if I was going to bring up another team, that would be one of them. And yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know what Draymond's value is across the league.
1: I think it would depend on the
0: team, the fit. If there's a team yeah. that's like, oh, he he could be the piece we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see him fitting on like an Atlanta more so than those other teams you had brought up. Or Portland, maybe. Uh, the, I think there's a couple other teams. Maybe like uh, Miami, even. Although they don't... I mean, Bam is already what he, he, he does exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's not a lot I guess like it, the thing is that's weird about like the the warriors is the s- ecosystem that they've built there is so unique and specific to like draymond this is like the the perfect career that draymond could have had like it's completely yes. maximized
1: we are we are in if there's a million infinite number of universes, there is not a more successful draymond green Yes. Th- it just doesn't ex- this this is peak draymond green.
0: He could not have, you could not have thought up better, better teammates for Draymond to have than Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And you know, why not just for the hell of it, throw in Kevin Durant <laughs> for, like, <yes. laughs> for a couple seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I mean, it's not that he's not a good basketball player. Like I think there's some people that, that go down that rabbit hole of like, Oh, Draymond's like not even good at basketball. Like he's really good <laughs> at the stuff that he does, but he only yeah. does certain things. Um, But he,
1: and he just fills in the
0: gaps that other teams need him to fit or that hit
1: the Warriors need him to fill in. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. they had a puzzle and they're like, what do we need? And then they saw this random dude from Michigan state and like that, Mm -hmm. that is the piece.
0: We need a guy to contest almost every single shot on the floor and on offense, he has some pretty good feel can have like a handoff scenarios with our shooters and just, you know, hit our open guys on cuts and shots like. That's it. <laughs> a high IQ guy with an just a defensive mind is the best uh-huh. way to put it. And yes. he just
1: and that's that's boiling down what Draymond does to almost a disrespectful level. But like, because it's huge, he is huge for that Warriors team. But you put him on any other team, it's not the same level of like craziness.
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's some places where you can try to copy that mold to a certain extent. You're never going to get the same results because there's not another Steph Curry. Um, but you know, you could try to do that same type of thing, like in Portland, like I said, with Damon and Freddie Simons would be a great like Attempt. mock version yeah. of that. And I guess Cleveland would work really well. Yeah. But, you know, you would just have to change something about like the other pieces there, how they have it built. And there's not a lot of teams, really. You just need some flamethrowers in your backcourt. And that's where I'm trying to find. Um, Old Pelicans. This, this isn't real now. Mm-hmm
1: um not old pelicans who am i thinking of i'm not sure oh that's old trailblazers i was thinking cj McCollum, but he was oh yeah anthony simons is the new cj they they have it back Mm -hmm. again they have that same thing Mm
0: -hmm. old
1: wizards throwback wizards i mean it wouldn't be as good as portland but yeah anymore yeah because john wall doesn't shoot the ball at all
0: yeah so but okay just thinking of places he could go though those are the main places. Atlanta. I forgot I brought them up earlier, but Atlanta would be another good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but really, from the Warriors' point of view, is is the more interesting part of this about whether they should blow it up after losing Steph for the next month, and they're you know the record's not good right now. At best, I think you're you're looking at they might be in the play in. To be honest,
1: yeah, I think, I mean, they could maybe it's just because the West is too good. I could see them kicking the Kings out of their playoff spot because, like, I feel like the teams that will not be in the plan—the Nuggets, Pelicans, Grizzlies—and then you get, and then Suns and Clippers are both pretty solid. The Sun, the Clippers are playing pretty well, but like, it's when you get into the Mavericks because that's an example of how heliocentric doesn't always work super well. Even if you have one of the best five players in the NBA, uh, you mm-hmm. can't always make it work. Yeah. Trailblazers are a playing team, Jazz are a playing team, Warriors are a playing team. T-Wolves are a playing team. Um, And if the Lakers don't get stuff figured out, they're not even a playing team. So it seems like the teams that are going to make the playoffs, quote-unquote, already have been established. Mm. There's like – because I don't – Shea's good enough that he could – I don't know.
0: It feels like they've started to tank, though, a little bit. Like on purpose? Yeah. I think they've started to do that a little bit.
1: And I'll never forget it was – I think it was uh, Shay's second year, and it was the uh, Kevin O'Connor and uh, Chris Vernon. They were. I think. I think this sounds like a Chris Vernon thing to say, but he's like, "Let's pull one out for the uh, youngest player to ever be subject and uh, have a year wasted for tanking Shea Gilgis Alexander."
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> he's had a few of those in a row now. Might no, be it, a third.
1: Yeah, it's and because he's great. He's a great basketball player. Oh, yeah. I've got them on my fantasy team. Uh, it's been pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. My fantasy, I need to uh, show you this after the pot. It's, it is filth. My fantasy team executes prisoners. They just roll <laughs> through. Um, yeah. But yeah, sorry. Back to the topic at hand. Uh, we've touched on quite a few teams. We, we talked about Atlanta, the Warriors. We just wrapped up with um, any other teams. Uh, you talked about the Lakers. Miami is another, okay, M- okay, Miami.
0: Yes, Miami is bad. Um, they just are like, I was worried about it going into this season with doing my predictions for, you know, team records, looking at them. I was like, I could see it a world this season where the heat are below 500. Like they're, they, yeah. When I say bad, I'm talking about a team that was just in the Western conference or Eastern conference finals last year. And like on, they've been, they've been on the brink of making the finals like three years in a row now. And one of them did.
1: No, a referee understanding what out-of-bounds is when Max Stru- Struz took that three-pointer away from being the Eastern Conference representative in the finals. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it was close. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, they've just... Yeah. It's a roster thing, um, for sure. Like, they, their top pieces are still there, but, like, it's just this, the stuff between... Like, they don't have another starting guy... To fill in that uh, big wing role, they don't have any like size off the bench. Like Bam Adebayo is their only big man worth playing. That might be a little bit disrespectful to Omer Yurtseven, like he's a fine young young player. Um, but still, like that's not the guy that you're going to be starting in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, it's just not going to work. And so we're playing big minutes, you know, in the, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So, like, I see them as a team that could make a move to blow it up a little bit, like trade off of Jimmy. Um, that would be a big move that would affect a lot of stuff in the league. Yeah. Um, Kyle Lowry's nearing the end, so maybe send him home to Toronto for, like, a second round pick <laughs> or something, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I don't know, but the heat yeah the heat would be an interesting team to watch they've never been a team to do that or like organizationally yeah um so that's what would hold me back in like predicting something like that but it's definitely something interesting to look at like they're a team whose whose scenario or or circumstances definitely fit the bill um for trying to make a blow up trade
1: mm-hmm. for sure but yeah for sure I'm trying to. I'm looking through the list to see if there's any others, and I don't really. I mean, and like I said, we're only just over thirty games into the season for most teams. Looks like most teams are at thirty-four to or thirty-three to thirty-five um, is where most teams are at. Um,
0: yeah, so I think that's a good uh, long discussion on some teams that uh, things aren't going too well, and maybe they'll they'll try to sell
1: for sure. Um, do you want to jump to the game then?
0: Yeah, I'm ready.
1: So, for the first person, they attended the University of Tennessee State.
0: Tennessee State. Yes. Uh, Robert Covington.
1: That would be correct.
0: I yeah, I think. I mean, he's the only one I know of. But
1: and um, also, everyone listening. Uh, sometimes these podcasts are like edited when like I go full stupid. There was no gap cut in the quickness of Robert Covington there. I just want everyone to know that you said that within a second and a half of me saying Tennessee State University or (laughs) University of Tennessee State, whatever I said. The next one played for Wake Forest.
0: John Collins.
1: No, they were drafted by Chicago.
0: Wake Forest drafted by Chicago. Huh. Um... I don't know where Olivier Sar got it drafted to. I'll go with him, though.
1: No. I okay. will give you a hint before I give you the current team. I guess this isn't okay. right. Full. You've said his name in today's episode. Oh, really? You literally randomly said this person's name, and I was like, are you kidding me? Out of all the random people I could, you came up with this dude?
0: Man, who went to Wake Forest that is... It was one time. Uh, you said his name one time. Chris Paul? No, wait, no. I'm not going to guess that. There's, <laughs> why would I guess that?
1: You're just saying Wake Forest names. Yeah, wait, okay. I'm
0: just saying Wake Forest names. He did not get drafted <laughs> by Chicago. Um,
1: I like how the the last name I was like,
0: this is basketball genius over here. And then you like
1: had to like cover up, like, I'm not saying Chris Paul. Yeah. No Chris Paul. <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. I'm trying to think. Another Wake Forest player um i know i i know there there's a few more in the league that i can get to but i can't think of them off the top of my head i would just give me the team that they're on the pacers they're on the pacers so i was talking about the pacers earlier buddy healed went to oklahoma miles turner went to texas um tyrese halliburton went to iowa state benedict mathrin uh went to arizona man just give me a second i need to think keep
1: going through the roster
0: okay so is this guy is he a wing um or is he a guard like is it a
1: is no he's like a a a wing big that kind of gives a lot away
0: Wing big. I, I, who did I mention earlier? I'm so confused. It was in the
1: Patrick Beverly conversation.
0: I mentioned Torian Prince. He's from Baylor. Um, he was drafted in 2009. 09 draft, once again, just like Taj Gibson. Has a crazy neck tattoo. James Johnson. <laughs> yep. I didn't even know he went to McForest. That's, he That's did. news to me. Huh. He
1: is a uh, proud, I don't know if he's a graduate, so I'm not going to say that, but he was a demon dinkin'.
0: Um, okay.
1: Yeah. And our third one. Wow. That was
0: a tough one. Okay. That, the,
1: yeah. Well, but that's, and I have, we added something new this week. I guess for those that don't know, I'll do a quick rules breakdown as we're two people in. So we, I've got three names here. I did just a random NBA player generator. And I take the, I look at their college, who drafted them, and where they currently play in the NBA. And then we, then I just pretty much quiz Logan. Uh, and I've added this week that we're going to do three regular ones, quote unquote regular. And then one that is hard, whether that's because they're not currently in the league or um, because, or, did they, or it's just, they've had a crazy path. That you might not know about to get to the NBA. But they were an NBA player at one point. So that's a quick breakdown of the game that we're currently playing. But, uh, so, third person. They went to Georgia Tech for school.
0: This is a current player, right? Current player. This is the current one, yep. Okay. Um, Lonnie Walker?
1: No. Was Lonnie Walker a Georgia Tech guy?
0: He might have been. It's, it feels right, but he might I not I feel have like been he also.
1: was... Because I remember he had that terrible hair when he first got drafted. I knew it was a we- – it wasn't a ba- – it was Miami. University
0: oh, my, Miami. yeah, you're right. You're right, Miami. I
1: just no, – I looked it up. That's why I knew. But mm-hmm. I knew it was like – it wasn't, a, I guess, not that Georgia Tech's a basketball school
0: necessarily. Yeah. I, I definitely know some people from Georgia Tech, but it's another one like the Wake Forest one where like my brain's just not pinpointing them. Do you want the team? Um, yes. Draft, the wait, drafted wait, by – Wait, wait, wait. Is it okay. Jose Alvarado? No. Okay. I think he went to Georgia Tech.
1: Drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves.
0: Hmm. Who have the Timberwolves taken recently? Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed. Where did Nas Reed go to school? I don't think it was Georgia Tech. But I'm just going to go with Nas Reed.
1: It is not Nas Reed.
0: Okay. All right, final clue. Nas
1: Reed went to Louisiana State and was a LSU. I called it Louisiana mm-hmm. State, but it's just LSU. Yeah. Uh, and so you want the hint? Or no, the or current team. The, yeah, current they team. They play for the Phoenix Suns now.
0: Okay. Um, Georgia Tech, Phoenix Suns. I know this. So it's, it's not Mikal Bridges. He went to Villanova. Cam Johnson went to North Carolina. Um, Jay Crowder went to Marquette. Um, Dancing
1: around. Hold on.
0: Cam. Oh, wait, no, no. no. I was about to say Tory Craig, but Tory Craig went to like South Carolina Upstate or something like that. Um, that is true. Cam Payne it was a... went to Murray.
1: He was a USC Upstate Spartan. Troy Craig was. So nice job there.
0: Oh, USC is South Carolina, though, right?
1: Yep. Oh, okay. uh, I I didn't look at that. It just says USC Upstate. Okay. I not look that close. Okay, so never mind. I'm glad I I stopped myself. This is a guard. This is a guard. He played ten minutes in the. Uh, no-
0: Josh Kogi.
1: Josh Kogi is the correct
0: answer. Let's go. I totally forgot about him. <laughs>
1: okay, and here comes the hardest one. And maybe this will be simple for you, but I just tried this person. I just tried to find a hard one. It's an undrafted player. So they went to school. He's not
0: current or he is current?
1: Isn't, but is. His playing career is still listed as present, but his last time he was on an NBA team was not this year. Okay. He's not played a game in the NBA this year, but his playing career is still listed as present.
0: Okay, and he was undrafted.
1: Went to Pittsburgh and was undrafted.
0: Pittsburgh. All right, give me the team that drafted him.
1: No one. Um, oh, yeah, do He don't. went and played in Italy for he... Tiaramo and Banca Taramo Basket, followed by <laughs>
0: Forley. Before he came...
1: Would you like his first NBA adjacent appearance?
0: Yes. He yeah. was a
1: member of the Austin Toros, the NBA Development League team for, for the, Spurs? the Spurs. Where he was a NBA Development League champion in 2012. Okay. He's from Pittsburgh. He went to school at Pittsburgh. You've heard me say this person's name very angrily. <laughs> then he because went to France until 2016, or oh, just kidding France until 14, Germany until 2016, Turkey in 2017 to 2018 and then in the 2018 season, he finally played for an NBA team:
0: Oh so this is a very under the radar person
1: it isn't but yes, it is
0: so heard- I've yeah. got you I've heard you say his name in anger because of something he did to the Celtics.
1: No. Yes, because of something he did. Yes, sorry, I misunderstood what you said. Yes, I've been okay. angry at this person because of Celtics-related
0: events. I just remembered Stephen Adams went to Pitt, but that's not Stephen Adams. <laughs> um, I couldn't think of like a single person from Pitt for a second. Lamar Stevens went to Pitt, or maybe Penn, Penn State. Do you want like um, the hint thing?
1: Or no, I guess my next thing no, I have listed is
0: last team that they played for. Don't give me that yet. Okay. I might say that the opposite of that in like a couple seconds, but I just want okay. to. Um, so it's, a, some, it's somebody that's done something against the Celtics in recent, recent years because he started playing in 2018.
1: It was his first year in the NBA and it is a Celtics adjacent anger.
0: But he didn't play for the Celtics.
1: Potentially he did, but potentially he didn't.
0: Do you want that answer? Yes. He did play for the Celtics for two years. Okay. And that's, okay, so that's the reason you didn't like him. Brad Wanamaker. It's Brad King Wanamaker. Because you
1: remember me screaming, I said, we're in the Eastern Conference Finals and Brad Wanamaker is getting starting minutes. This makes...
0: Yes, I I do remember that. I think we even had a reenactment of that of sorts on the podcast. Um, uh, on the on hoop theory, even and so in in one of the past twenty episodes, uh, um, yeah. yeah. All right, well, that was a tough one. Like those last three were honestly all tough. The first one was easy. That was Robert Covington. That's why
1: James. Yeah, James Johnson blew my mind. That you, uh, I couldn't get him. No, that, no, know. that you. The fact that you said out of I don't know how many players in the NBA, but you're just like James Johnson. Yeah, he's that for the. He's that mentor. I was like. I was just
0: trying to think of guys that don't play at all that like are old and they're there for a reason.
1: Uh, Josh Akogi, then that was just a rough one. Not because of the player, just because of like,
0: he's not obscure, but he's pretty obscure. He's not that obscure. He was good. He was like pretty relevant as a rookie and in his second year, but since then he has not like been a guy really.
1: And the, the water maker was intentionally found to be just this random difficult. Yeah. I had no idea where he went to
0: school or anything. He was just one of those guys that like all of a sudden he was a, he was a person to me, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know where he came from. Um, like the I mean, first time you heard his name might've been me being just irritated that he was playing. Yeah. Um, hit that randomized button one more time. Okay. I want to, I want to do one more guy.
1: Just a, just a redemption
0: mm-hmm
1: okay ooh this is not a hard one. I don't know if they're still in the league, but it doesn't matter Dra uh went to school at Texas
0: a Marcus Aldrich
1: no they were drafted by the let me double check. I'm pretty sure I knew this, but I wanted to make sure it was Yes, mm-hmm.
0: drafted by the Celtics. Oh, so I went to Texas, drafted by Celtics.
1: I didn't have to look up the uh, school, whatever hint that might be considered. I knew the school, um, but I just wanted to make sure that the Celtics were the person that drafted him.
0: And you said you don't think he's a current player.
1: Um, I'm not sure... It says it's the same thing as Wanamaker. It says his playing career is still present, so but I don't, like a free agent. I, I don't think he has played a uh, minute of NBA basketball in 2022-23 season, but did play last year, for sure.
0: Man, this is a, you said it was an easy one. Give well, me no, that team. Well, I said easy as team.
1: I didn't have to look stuff up. Well, who
0: um, was the last team
1: he played for? The last team he played for was the Lakers. Two thousand ten draft.
0: He went to Texas. Yep. Um J.R. Smith didn't go to school. Who played on the Lakers last year? Avery Bradley. Where did he go to school? Did Avery Bradley go to Texas? Is it Avery Bradley? Yes it is. Avery
1: okay, Bradley I didn't did know go to that.
0: Texas. I maybe I did know that. That seems like he does not come to mind at all for like Texas people, but when I'm like Thinking, oh, where did he go to school? Like, oh, maybe Texas. Yeah, huh. All right. Yep. Well, that will work well enough for redemption, I guess. Still, well, I've not, got two more. Okay. All right. If you're handing them out, I'm taking them.
1: This player I know is not still playing. Okay. Do you want me to find one that is playing? This is a you. This is a two-time All NBA player. You'll know who this person is for sure. Then let's do him. Um. Oh, what will we'll probably give it away is um don't think they went to school anywhere. Kevin Garnett They just nope, they just went straight
0: to play for FC Barcelona out of being done with school. He played for FC Barcelona and he's not in the league
1: anymore. He was, he was a two he was a he's not in the league anymore.
0: He started his career for with FC Barcelona Pau Gasol, close Pau? but no. Is it his brother? It is Mark <laughs> Gasol. Okay, I was debating which one of them to do, because yeah.
1: I was like, I should have let. He he played for a school in Memphis.
0: Oh, did he in college? Did he come? No, oh, no, yeah. for no, high I, school. He, he, he came over high, for high school. I knew that. He played yeah. high school basketball in Memphis, but because Pau was already on the Grizzlies,
1: but did not play college basketball anywhere. He just went back to Spain. And played for FC Barcelona.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's where he is now. I'm pre- well, I don't know if it's Bar- Barcelona, but I'm pretty sure he's over playing. Oh, in Spain he is again. playing
1: for Basket Girona. I thought he just stopped playing.
0: Like I thought he was uh, just done. I knew that he went. He wanted to be with like his family and stuff. Oh, but okay. Spain.
1: But that was like that was a, he was he had an NBA retirement, but not a basketball retirement.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: he just straight up founded the, the club.
0: He now oh. plays for the team that he founded. Interesting. I, I think Bielitsa also just did that this season. Like, he was on the Warriors last season, but he he's over in um, Serbia. Or maybe not in Serbia, but he's playing in the EuroLeague now.
1: And then it's kind of like
0: went, a Nikola Mirotic move.
1: And then the third one, drafted by Duke.
0: He went to Duke. Sorry, went to Duke. Um. Is this yeah? Tell me if it's current or not. Yes, they are He's still playing in the NBA. Jason Tatum.
1: Nope. Do you oh. want the drafted by? Yeah, it, it's it's over when I say drafted by. So drafted okay, by don't, the Pel- don't Wait,
0: wait. Don't, okay. Um, Zion Williamson. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna try to get you to stop so I could keep guessing. Then yeah, but yeah.
1: No, because I was like the second. Well, with almost any of those Duke guys, because I was like, yeah, they're super current. Mm -hmm. Um, these don't have to be oh i've got a this is a great one okay one more school virginia
0: malcolm brogdon no deandre uh hunter no uh oh um ty jerome no kyle guy kyle guy oh wow okay i i just (laughs) guessed a bunch of guys from the same team that same uh uva team i mean that one yeah was
1: a Brogdon wasn't but
0: you're no, right. bro, yeah the ro- first one wasn't on that team but yeah. the rest of them were yeah so
1: yeah
0: yeah all right that was that was a good one to end on
1: that was a good one um but yeah that's all I've got for today um so
0: yeah all right well that brings us to the end of the Gary Payton episode of the Hoop Theory podcast thank you all for listening um let us know If you enjoy that game that we play there at the end, um, and any more, I I guess, ideas, you know, that we could, we could try to implement for like a little trivia type of section. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Stay happy, stay healthy, and we will talk to you guys in the next episode. Peace.